and intending uh, to engage people's thinking with regards to um, God's will and his desire. And it just seemed to impress upon me so much as I have considered these prophets over the years that they truly are trying to tell us something <clears throat> and the evidence is there for us to understand um, that these things have worldwide consequences. Um, we can't explain why. I think if we think about it long enough uh, and rationally enough, we can explain it. I, I was going to say we can't explain why God has chosen a people in which to carry out his will. As I said, I think if we take a little time to understand it and think about it, I think we can see why. <clears throat> Russell, you own a business. In a business environment, you are able to see um, across the, the spectrum of the business um, where somebody works really well. If somebody works really well in sewing and somebody works really well in 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 printing and somebody works really well in in the computer technology to set up the printing or whatever, aren't you just naturally going to put people in those positions that seem to function better in those positions? And the answer, of course, well, maybe you should answer it. Is that well, what you would normally do? And that's what you would normally do in order to be productive. Right. Okay. So our creation, the creation, our God is no different in his creation. His intention was to have a well operational creation. Um, whatever regard there is for the different peoples in this creation is not as much relevant as the tasks or the commission that he's given certain parties and it was not because someone was better than another per se or anything specifically like that as much as it was god made a determination and in that determination we have to trust his decision and in trusting that decision then it was our obligation those who he commissioned to be the people that would be a blessing to the world um it was their obligation then to carry out and fulfill those wishes, those will, that his will, and so forth. Now, you know this, I know this, because we've understood this and studied it out um, thoroughly. And so we've got a grasp and a handle on this. But the vast majority of Christendom today really still does not grasp that concept. And as a consequence, they find themselves not really understanding the commission. And how to effectively maneuver and manage, if you will, in the creation according to his will. And 
subsequently, you know, just what we outlined in chapter 14, or excuse me, in chapter 23 last week, in part 14 of Isaiah, it's it's a critical and, you know, piece of information that just can't be swept aside. And now as we progress into part 15, um, we're right back at the same um, information, if you will, that's available. Um, I have posted these fellowships on the Bible study group on Gab and on the uh, there's a Christianity group on Gab. And uh, I think people are listening. Um, we're we're down we're seeing downloads in the um, analytics that uh, sure it's not tens of millions um but i find it rewarding and and good to to recognize when when you're in the thousands annually and already in 2023 um it's already into the second thousand. So people are funny. They don't really come and say, join a live fellowship. Um, I've seen stuff online where people can log in and they can set chats and stuff through YouTube or BitChute or whatever it is. I've I've seen him and and they'll be running a broadcast or whatever. And these things will be popping up on the screen one after another, after another, after another. Uh, but there's something about the word of God that, well, how do you, how do you want to say it? It, our people are, are, are go ahead. <laughs> Try to make it make his, sense. His word is sufficient. Well, well, his word is sufficient, but it seems as if the masses are so conditioned yet over time or whatever that they have to have their daily dose of uh, what what what's the word I'm looking for? The keeping up with the Joneses, or you know, the latest you know scuttle on the news cycle. And so they, in essence, get wrapped up into these groups and these, you know, these things that they, they like to frequent and go to. It's just like television, you know. Uh, you could almost sense that nobody's uh, paying any attention to anything at a certain time because you know everybody's watching TV and you almost certainly know what program they're watching. And and that's what I'm trying to convey about stuff like um fellowshipping regarding the word um i think people want to know of it they're you know but there are other things that yet take precedence in their lives and some of these things are the things that that take precedence and there's not a full commitment that's not to be disparaging that's not to be condescending there just isn't that 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 desire if you will to feed off of it they're feeding off of the other things 
And that is very frustrating when you really want to feed his... Go ahead. Doug, they don't recognize the necessity of eating the food of the spirit. It's like you eat regular food. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great way of putting it, no doubt. And um you know, as we concluded in part 14, I was encouraging everyone to a return in some respects to our fellowship series on the bird's eye view of revelation. And you know, we reviewed a good portion of Ezekiel 26 and 27 as really a companion or a second witness, if you will, um, to um, this, um, you know, this series in, in Isaiah and this prophet Isaiah and, and his record. So it really is, you know, important that, that it be done and, I think it brings things more into focus and gives a better, you know, uh, understanding of, of, of the very thing that you just asked is what, what is the, what is the next step or what is the next, um, you know, piece of information that it helps us to, to navigate what's going on in our world. And I find that these prophets are our answer. You know, certainly the entire scripture, but as, I, as I'm titling this series of fellowships, um, Conscience of Yahweh, it really is the conscience of our God because he literally conveys essentially how he feels in the moment if you you know want to grasp a, a word that most people uh, you know get and so forth the feeling it, it's the the emotional aspect that he's sharing through the prophets and you get a real good glimpse into what exactly is going on and it's where I want to go this evening, and it's probably going to take m- most of the remaining hour here, so maybe we'll just go ahead and, and dig into it. Um, I want to just encourage us to go right back to Ezekiel, because as I looked over Ezekiel again this week, I considered that, yeah, I really need to go ahead and go from just uh, the few pieces that I read in 26 and 27. And I found myself thinking, well, what should I give out of this 28? And by the time I was done, I thought, you know, literally the whole the whole chapter needs to be drawn in to this part 15 of Isaiah. And remember part 14 was dealing with the city of Tyre. And we expressed how the city of Tyre came into existence and who predominantly was um, 
the the predominant figures, if you will, of Tyre. And chapter 28 of Ezekiel talks about the uh, the king of Tyre and the pride. And there's some very significant information that can be relayed to us in what we see in our modern times. So let's go ahead and begin with chapter 28, verse 1 of Ezekiel. The word of Yahweh came again to me, saying, Son of man, say unto the prince of Tyre, thus says Yahweh, because thy heart is lifted up, thou hast said, I am a God. I sit in the seat of God, in the midst of the seas, yet thou art a man and not God. Though thou set thine heart as the heart of God, behold, thou art wiser than Daniel. There is no secret they can hide from thee. With thy wisdom and with thine understanding, thou hast gotten thee riches and hast gotten gold and silver into thy treasures. By thy great wisdom and by thy traffic hast thou increased thy riches, and thine heart is lifted up because of thy riches. Therefore, thus says Yahweh, because thou hast set thine heart as the heart of God, Behold, therefore, I will bring strangers upon thee, the terrible of the nations, and they shall draw their swords against the beauty of thy wisdom, and they shall defile thy brightness. They shall bring thee down to the pit, and thou shalt die the deaths of them that are slain in the midst of the seas. Wilt thou yet say before him that slays thee, I am God? But thou shalt be a man, and no God, in the hand of him that slays thee. Thou shalt die the deaths of the uncircumcised by the hand of strangers. For I have spoken it, says Yahweh. Moreover, the word of Yahweh came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyre, and say unto him, Thus says Yahweh, Thou seals up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, topaz, the diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, emerald, and the carbuncle, and the gold, and workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Thou art the anointed cherub that coverest, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. 
I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. And they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee. Thou shalt be a terror, and never shalt thou be any more. Ezekiel 30, uh, 28, verse 20. Again, the word of Yahweh came unto me, saying, Son of man, let thy face set thy face against Zidon and prophesy against it. And say, Thus says Yahweh, Behold, I am against thee, O Zidon, and I will be glorified in the midst of thee, and they shall know that I am Yahweh, when I shall have executed judgments in her, and shall be sanctified in her. For I will send unto her pestilence and blood into her streets, and the wounded shall be judged in the midst of her by the sword upon her on every side. And they shall know that I am Yahweh. And there shall be no more a pricking briar unto the house of Israel, nor any grieving thorn of all that are round about them that despise them. And they shall know that I am Yahweh. Thus says Yahweh, when I shall have gathered the households of Israel, the house of Israel, from the people among whom they are scattered, and shall be sanctified in them in the sight of the heathen, then shall they dwell in their land that I have given to my servant Jacob. And they shall dwell safely therein, and shall build houses and plant vineyards. Yea, they shall dwell with confidence when I have executed judgments upon all those that despise them round about them, and they shall know that I am Yahweh their God. It is a most profound record that we see once again in a companion, as I say, to this chapter of Isaiah, uh, much of the last few chapters of Isaiah with Ezekiel. And again, Ezekiel was contemporary uh, as a prophet just slightly later in the, you know, um, chronology, if you will. And so it's really undeniable fact that all the prophets signify an end to the current world order of their day. And this is the hope that I have in trying to open up the prophet Isaiah in these fellowships is that we would be able to see how they signify an end to the current world order of their day. As we went over last week in part 14, Tyre was the economic epicenter, if you will, of that region of the world. And here we saw the God of creation, the God of Jacob, bringing it to 
chaos and destruction. And knowing that that chaos and destruction was going to have worldwide consequences, worldwide economic consequences. And so if one wishes to comprehend our God's view of man's oppressive world economy, all one needs to do is look to and read the prophets. And I submit that most will never recognize or associate their present economic difficulties that they face with anything biblical, much less being brought on by God himself. They're like an individual who has no external signs of ill health or decay, while wholly unaware at the diseased tissue spreading within them. Praise God, more are now recognizing the diseased tissue within and the diseased tissue within their nation. And that it is what the people have believed, at least in America, was the institutions they erected for their domestic tranquility of themselves and their posterities. And this really is what ought to strike at the very heart of every professing Christian. And just as you said, Russell, they're still striking at something. David Henry Thoreau says there's a thousand hacking at the branches for every one that's hacking at the root. And Hacking at the branches, it may sound good, and it may make you feel good with a whole lot of other people that are also hacking at the branches. Glory be, you know, think of it. As long as you're standing there with 999 others hacking at the branches, you feel like you're in good company, don't you? Yeah. But if, if you're one of those hacking at the root, yeah, you're if you're one of those hacking at the rook, you're you're looking around going, where is everybody? I need some help down here. Mm -hmm. I'm at the root of the problem and I need help. And they are comfortable hacking at the branches. This God of Jacob Israel is revealed so succinctly here in chapter 24, yet it escapes even the most fertile of Christian believers. They look yet to the external structure. And in America, what is that external structure? Their constitution, their declaration of independence, their free branch system of government, their republic, etc. And determined that its condition is really sound. The, out, the outlook, therefore, is exceptional. We just need better leaders. That's it. However, if you're, if you're, go ahead, Russell. 
No, I disagree with you. It's um, you yeah. nailed it. So if you're one of those that's saying no, these systems are not sound and they are not exceptional. You may have believed that they were. You may have even been taught to believe that they were. But its condition is not sound. It is diseased within. And it isn't just the people that make it up that are diseased within. Oh, grant you, they are a big part of the disease, no doubt, unquestionably. However, it is this very external structure that the God of Jacob Israel conveys is the condition giving rise to the economic disease. The internal economic weakness, like a cancer, eats away as a result of the external structure's weakness. We just read Ezekiel 28 and verse 18. It specifically declares the necessity of destruction of the then current world economy. It conveys it as the defilement of the sanctuaries in the King James Version. Reading from the James Moffat translation, it uses, oh, the King James, by the way, the, the word sanctuaries there in uh, Ezekiel 28:18 is number 4720. It means a sacred place a consecrated thing or place. So when I say that 2818 specifically declares the necessity of destruction of the then current world economy, and it conveys it as the defilement of the sanctuaries, you have defiled the sanctuaries, he says. The sanctuaries are defiled. What was the sanctuary? The sanctuary, the people believe today, the safe place, the consecrated thing, was their constitution, their declaration of independence, their three-batch government, their republic that was subsequently formed. And yet, just like last week, we have the individual that I told you I played a portion of the YouTube video, and he was talking about Lee Greenwood's song and says he's got one thing wrong is that our rights gave these rights to me. And he says it was God that gave us these rights. Well, if God gave you the rights, then why did you transfer? In whatever way transferred those rights to another entity called your three branch government? We didn't, Doug. That's what you don't seem to understand. We didn't. And that's what we're trying to stop. Okay, well, if you didn't, then why are they being trampled, these rights from God? If the rights come from God and you recognize that, then the government and its three-branch system or whatever that is doing contrary to the, that needs not be acknowledged at all. In fact, it needs to be ignored. 
The Moffat translation of 2818 says, quote, by the greatness of your guilt, by the crimes of your commerce, you have profaned your sacred position. Therefore have I made you set fire to yourself with flames that consume you and reduce you to ashes on earth in the sight of all who behold you. And then verse 19 also in the Moffat, all who know you among the nations shall be appalled at you. Your fate is awful. There is no future for you. And the scripture, James Moffat translation, Ezekiel 28, verses 18 and 19. Professing patriots? Professing Christians? I implore those of you who review these messages in the archives, consider well. The God of Jacob Israel is ostensibly your sanctuary. It is your safe place. It is where you claim your rights derived from. And yet you profess the founding documents of your nation support this contention. Your safe place which is your God, if this sacred one and your sanctified place, the nation, the geographical landmass that he gave you and that he allowed you to build upon that foundation so as to be the blessing to the world, if that sacred one and your sanctified place being your nation, your geographical landmass has been defiled by the crimes of your commerce. How do you see yourself and your nation different than Israel and Judah of the first covenant recorded in the scriptures? Again, Quote, whose iniquity of thy traffic brings forth from within a fire to devour thee. End quote. He is conveying to us that because we are not within the will and the design. This iniquity of not being aligned with him brings forth from within the very fire which is to devour us. I'd like to believe that I said that about as clearly as that can be said. Yeah, I mean, don't believe it. No. Exactly.
this this God, same God, went over Egypt, didn't he, on the Passover? It very absolutely. As I was putting these notes together, Russell, that's exactly where my mind went, mm-hmm. and even further back than that. Absolutely. And further back than that, went right back to Noah. Mine went back to Cain. <laughs> I thought, you know, I thought he's done this before. He's telling us that when you're not in my will, there is a necessitative cause and effect. It just naturally comes and happens. Even though he expresses that he's doing this, he is. It's the way it was created. And so consequently, yeah. he is doing it. And you brought up a good point because he looked around and he said, these people that I created will be able to do anything they want to do. So I've got to tweak the creation, so to speak, at the Tower of Babel. Mm -hmm. And this same predicament is where we're at now with this this AI and all these things, there's no boundaries anymore, is there? No. Absolutely not. We may be in for a good tweaking. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> and what is a good prophet to do? He's to put out the warning, the isn't he? Yes. In fact, it, it's a command. To warn the people. Because they may die in their iniquity. But if you didn't warn them. And you knew. He's going to require the blood at your hand. They may die in their iniquity. But the blood he requires at the hand of the watchman. The essence of the fire. And so we do. We talk and we fellowship and we share and we we record these things and we mentor that we might be that warning shot to others. The essence of the fire in this passage is to devastate like a fire. But in the case of Tyre, we weren't really talking about a literal fire. So what I'm trying to convey is God uses these words and these metaphors, these analogies, or, you know, whatever we like to refer to them as. The essence of the fire is to devastate like a fire. If you don't see what's happening in this country as being devastating, and bringing a devastation like a fire it, to bring to ashes. And what does the fire do? It reduces whatever substance was there to no substance at all but ashes. And so every system that's contrary. I'm sorry, go ahead. I just said it consumes the fuel, the fire. Yep, absolutely. 
an entity. It has nothing left that it can do. It's a great analogy that you just said. It consumes the fuel. We look at ourselves as a people and a nation, a people who who took God on and said, you are our God. We are declaring our independence from this tyrant king, ostensibly. And then we erected another God and another king. Just like all the other gods and all the other kings. As I said, Ted Weiland sent me his latest book. He did a series of messages titled A Biblical Examination of the Declaration of Independence in his archives, um, Mission to Israel. And I encourage people to go there. And I have not yet digested the book, but it contains mostly what's in his archives, in his uh, uh, recorded archives. So, you know, talk about an eye opener. Um, would to God that, you know, uh, 10 to 50 million people actually understood each of these things that he expressly covers about what's wrong with the proposed documents that we traded God in for and and claim that this declaration was our God-inspired document and what we traded for with the documents that they drafted after they declared their independence. Um, you know, you almost get to the point that you begin to wonder if that whole thing wasn't one great big sham, PSYOP, as they call it today, uh -huh. as well. When you, look, when you look at what happened, when you look at what it took away from the things that we were already doing as we were advancing for the kingdom of Christ on this North American continent, and the intentions you know it, of those documents. You know it happened that way. You know that the Diablo took the false and slung it across the horizon. The false narrative has always been his template or the template of the adversaries. And they're using it just like they did in January 6th. What a bunch of baloney. And so they take that and they start formulating their new laws, don't they? Their new 9-11 laws. laws. Remember the Patriot Act? You talk about consuming. Mm -hmm. And it consumes. Absolutely. So what's next? I'm well, we're getting ready to see in the scripture Yes, indeed. And so here, <clears throat> as I say, every system that is contrary to Yahweh's command progresses through a process of disintegration like a consuming fire. I want to say that again. Every system 
contrary to Yahweh's commands and his system, progresses through a process of disintegration like a consuming fire. King James uses the iniquity of the traffic. Moffat uses by the crimes of your commerce. Here's Smith and Goodspeed at 2818, quote, through the greatness of your guilt, through the sins of your trade, you profaned your sacredness. Therefore, I brought you forth fire from the midst of you. By the greatness of your guilt, by the crimes of your commerce, you have profaned your sacred position. Therefore, have I made you to set fire to yourself with flames that consume you, end quote. What an incredible prophecy. Now, by this deviation into Ezekiel first, I intend that the Bible student might reflect deeply on himself, his leadership, his institutions, and his country's disposition today as a reflection of the past. Tyre is undoubtedly the target of that scorn and rebuke of Yahweh there in chapter 23 of Isaiah. His rebuke of this commercial giant of the day would be like the rebuke of the WEF, the Council on Foreign Relations, the BlackRock, the Rothschilds of today. Because there you see how it presides over the same commercial activity of Tyre's day. But the one thing that you've got to understand is that the WEF and the Rothschild, the CFR, CFR, the Black Rocks, and whatever else you want to name, they always appear to be presiding over this through someone else's nation. Very, very important. <clears throat> it's as if the desire is to stay hidden for the purposes of the people not recognizing the disease and the cancer within and subsequently their destiny of destruction. Yeah, because the context of what we read. Go ahead, Russell. If they were exposed, it could lead to their demise. So, absolutely, and it's better. It's better to operate from. It's better to operate from within, like the disease, right? 
In other words, if you had the ability to inoculate your enemy with a disease and cause that disease to um, eat that person from within, what would you rather do? Stand there in the face of him and try to eat him to his face within? Or, or would you rather eat him from within, from the disease that that you're going to inoculate him with? And the answer to that, I think, is very clear. And so, by the same token, they understand it within the context of without an injection, if you will. The injection is the commercial activity that has been injected. And it's interesting to me, as I began to recognize this, several months ago, as I was looking through various parts of Isaiah again during other fellowships that we were having, it struck me that what was going on, and we know this, I get this, a lot of us understand that there's something going on, you know, our financial system, etc. But I'm trying to share with you that Yahweh is trying to share with us, this is how it was happening. And so the context of what we read is the blueprint of Yahweh's will and expectation of the saints in the present age. So you take, and Russell, you've been very good at, you know, doing this in the past. You take what's going on here and you do the antithesis of it. And in doing the antithesis of it, you come in line with Yahweh's will and his expectation. And suddenly, the cancer of the commercial activity that is in contradistinction with God and his will suddenly has to go somewhere. So we have also profaned our sacred position among the nations. If we truly could attest and say we were a nation that was feared by other nations, we were a nation that was looked to in awe and so forth. If we could even claim that there was a period in time which that would have been true, I submit it was between the 1500s and the late 1700s that three centuries right there. And that was because we had taken God's laws and we had used it for our criminal code. And what happened in 1789 was a complete rejection of everything that we had been doing from the 1500s through the 1800s. And so I ask, have our virtues not been wounded? And what exactly is the consuming fire from within? The very sanctuaries established in place of Yahweh, our God, is what is the cancer or the consuming fire from within. The very sanctuaries established in the place of Yahweh in 1789. 
even these Shemitic Asherites, we find from this passages in 23 and 24 of Isaiah, likewise know the God of Jacob, Israel, is. And he showed them. Now, chapter 24 of Isaiah. These three chapters, 24, 5, 6, and 7, actually four chapters, they're all encompassing the judgment that God is declaring on the whole of civilization, essentially. I, I really want that truth to sink in. It is a judgment declared on the whole of civilization. Not only did he commission a people for his purposes in blessing the world, but he also has an expectation upon the whole of the creation. The very first verse of chapter 24 conveys in part to turn it upside down and scatter the inhabitants. 24.1, quote, Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty and makes it waste and turns it upside down and scatters abroad the inhabitants thereof. I'm going to read on through 12. And it shall be as with the people, so with the priest, as with the servant, so with the master. As with the maid, so with the mistress. As with the buyer, so with the seller. As with the lender, so with the borrower. As with the taker of usury, so with the giver of usury to him. The land shall be utterly emptied and utterly spoiled, for Yahweh has spoken this word. The earth mourns and fades away. The world languish and fades away. The haughty people of the earth do languish. The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore has the curse devoured the earth and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned and few men left. The new wine mourns, the vine languishes, and the merry-hearted do sigh. The mirth of tabrets cease. The noise of them that rejoice ends. The joy of the harp ceases. They shall not drink wine with a song. Strong drink shall be bitter to them that drink it. The city of confusion is broken down. Every house is shut up that no man may come in. There is a crying for wine in the streets. All joy is darkened. The mirth of the land is gone. In the city is left desolation. And the gate is smitten with destruction. Now, as I say, verse 1 conveys in part that he's willing to turn it upside down and scatter the inhabitants. And as I said, these passages took me right back to the days of Noah, right back to the days of Egypt, right back to 
various uh, parts of the days of the uh, uh, coming into the land of Canaan. And we know that this is the correct understanding of the passages and the chapters because the naming of lands were not exclusively of Judah or Judean. So while Isaiah recognizes he's the prophet to Judah, he's encompassing other things in his mind's eye. Other things are in his vision, if you will. Other peoples, other land masses. And all, as I say, although verse 5 specifically implicates Judah's violation of the covenant, that violation is causation. Of the destruction which is coming upon the earth or this present economic world's judgment. Here's what this means. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 4, to really try to drive this point home. Uh, Genesis chapter 12 and verses 1 to 4. Now, Yahweh said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee. I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curse thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed, as Yahweh had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, into the land of Canaan they came. End quote. In you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now let me go back to chapter 24 of Isaiah. Verse 2. It shall be as with people, so with priest, as with servant, so with his master, as with the maid, so with her mistress, as with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender, so with the borrower, as with the taker of usury, so with the giver of usury to him. The priest will share the same fate as the commoner. The creditor will share the same fate as the debtor. The master as for the servant. The buyer 
as the same as the seller. As with the lender, so with the borrower. As with the taker of usury, so also with the giver of usury to him. I don't care how many times you have to read that chap, that verse, until you finally recognize what is being said. I will try a little bit to help. It is utterly incomprehensible to me how Americans, you Christians, you patriots, can remain so obtuse to the veracity of the inclusive condemnations that are recorded here. And I know many of you know the work that I've done with regards to usury in the land. The one who takes by usury is in judgment viewed the same in judgment as the one who gives usury to him. Please, please let that sink in. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Verse 21, not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. Have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that practice anomianism. You that practice lawlessness. Does reading that in Matthew 7, 21 to 23 now make even more sense when reading Isaiah 24, chapter 2? As I said, 24.5 can only pertain to Judah and Israel. But let me tell you, if he's talking to Judah and Israel, and he is saying that your violations of the law have caused this great destruction, verse 6, 
therefore has the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men left. Therefore has the curse devoured the earth. Do you understand? The curse of violation of the law is devouring the earth. And don't we know it? In this country, we see it. The wicked go unpunished because we are not upholding the law, the statutes and judgments, the command and the will of God. The earth is being devoured and consumed. And God definitely has a record of population control, ladies and gentlemen. Since God commissioned a people for his purposes and covenanted it with them to be those responsible for carrying out his will in the creation, the curse for disobedience of that will are felt worldwide. Emmanuel, the Christ, God with us, conveyed these very same apocalyptic intentions throughout Matthew 24, which we covered in great detail in our bird's eye view of Revelation. Go look at it again. It is a world with all its various castes, middle class, upper class, billionaire class, multi-billionaire class, <clears throat> minority class, majorities, blue collar, white collar, and then all of its social distinctions, African American, Asian American, Latino American, Jewish American, Sodomite, trans, pedo, Indian American, bi, you name it. Twenty-four five. The earth is defiled under the inhabitants thereof because they have transgressed the laws. <laughs> Excuse me. Let me finish that. Jacob Israel. Go ahead. Because they transgressed the law and changed the institutions, the everlasting covenant. Boy, we hear people bragging about change, don't Amen. we? Yes. The earth is defiled under... I was just going to finish here. Therefore, a curse devoureth the land. This is out of the Septuagint. Yep. Okay. Yep. I just wanted to let you get a drink <clears throat> of water. <laughs> yeah. 
Yep, yep. Thank you very much. The earth is defiled under or by. So you could use the word by if you look up the word under Strong's. The earth is defiled through or by the inhabitants thereof. You know, that's something that the vast majority of Christians just do not comprehend. While, while the supposed um, agnostics and atheists and so forth are out there talking about global warming, global change, this, that, and everything else, like they're concerned about the earth, God says the earth is defiled because my will is not being done. And yet they have the people believing that the earth is defiled because they invented an automobile and put some gas in it. That they invented um, coal-fired plants to generate electricity. Wait, are you telling me that the followers of God's ways are the original environmentalists? Absolutely ought to be. <laughs> it's kind of like the rainbow. They stole it from us. Absolutely. Co-opted it for their own purposes. And by their commerces, they defile. And since we do not know enough to keep it in line with the will of the Creator and His commands, we help to defile the earth. It's really not very, it's really not rocket science, is it? It's actually pretty easy. Verse 11 and 12 conveys an individual's joy has reached its eventide. And desolate city gates are battered to ruins. That's an interesting one. The city gate. What was the city gate for? Well, first of all, if you have a gate, you must have a border. Because what good would the gate do without a border? Sometimes the borders were walls. Sometimes the borders were houses that acted as a wall. But the city gate was there to keep others out which were not allowed in. Even our God recognizes that we would build a gate and that there were some that we would allow in and others we would not allow in. Why? In order to keep ourselves aligned with the will and the command of Yahweh. The gate was essentially part of the city's defense. We have exchanged Yahweh's laws 
which are our gate for the laws of men, which are men's gates. Instead of punishment and judgment providing protection, they provide criminality instead of exactly. protection. That's exactly what they did with China. They opened up that gate. Isaiah chapter 24, verses 13 to 23. When thus it shall be in the midst of the land among the people, there shall be as the shaking of an olive tree and as the gleaning of grapes when the vintage is done. They shall lift up their voice. They shall sing for the majesty of Yahweh. They shall cry aloud from the sea. Wherefore, glorify ye in the fires, even the name of Yahweh, God of Israel, in the isles of the sea. From the uttermost part of the earth, we have heard songs, even glory to the righteous. But I said, my leanness, my leanness, woe unto me. The treacherous dealers have dealt treacherously. Yea, the treacherous dealers have dealt very treacherously. Fear and the pit and the snare are upon the O inhabitant of the earth. And it shall come to pass that he who flees from the noise of the fear shall fall into the pit. And he that comes up out of the midst of the pit shall be taken in the snare for the windows from on high are open and the foundations of the earth do shake the earth is utterly broken down the earth is clean dissolved the earth is moved exceedingly the earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard and it shall be removed like a cottage and the transgression thereof shall be heavy upon it and it shall fall and not rise again and it shall come to pass in that day that Yahweh shall punish the host of the high ones that are on high and the kings of the earth upon the earth. And they shall be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in the pit and shall be shut up in the prison. And many days shall they be visited. Then the moon shall be confounded and the sun ashamed when Yahweh of hosts shall reign in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem and before his ancients gloriously. 24.13, Isaiah describes it as a time when Yahweh's shaking would be just like shaking of an olive tree or grapes on the vine. You would shake and there would be some that would be left on the tree and some left on the vine. And it was these that would be singing of the majesty of Yahweh, even the name of the God of Israel in the isles of the sea. Now, the balance of the chapter verses are explained more in the other prophets. In fact, I'd encourage you, and for the sake of time, we won't go to it, but I would encourage you to Amos chapter 5 and Ezekiel 38. We read from 28 earlier. Because there's something you need to recognize and understand. The apocalyptic language should help the Bible student recognize it now so as to not be lulled into complacency in 
waiting on God, but rather Yahweh has always left ample room for correction and an abundance of hope for future restitution of all things, or as the prophets put it, a new heaven and a new earth. The same thing that our Emmanuel Christ did again in Revelation spoke about that new heaven and that new earth. I tried to give us a sense of what we should be contemplating in those passages in Revelation through the bird's eye view of Revelation. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is what I'm hoping that Christians with eyes to see and ears to hear might finally begin to recognize this renewing from time to time by God is quite necessary. And the apocalyptic language is to encourage the people back into righteous alignment with him. Or the consequences are indeed significant and apocalyptic. Turn over while we've got a few minutes here to Amos. Amos is after Joel. Amos chapter 5. Let's see, where do I want to begin? Well, tough to not begin right at the beginning of 5, I guess. Hear this word which I take up against you. Even a lamentation, O house of Israel. The virgin of Israel is fallen. She has no more rise. She is forsaken upon her land. There is none to raise her up. For thus says Yahweh, the city that went out by a thousand shall leave a hundred, and that which went forth by a hundred shall leave ten to the house of Israel. For thus says Yahweh unto the house of Israel, seek you me, and you shall live. Seek not Bethel, nor enter into Gilgal, and pass not to Beersheba, for Gilgal shall surely go into captivity, and Bethel come to naught. Seek Yahweh, and ye shall live, lest he break out like fire in the house of Joseph, and devour it, and there be none to quench it in Bethel. You who turn to judge, turn judgment to wormwood, and leave off righteousness in the earth, seek him that makes the seven stars of Orion and turns the shadow of death into morning and makes the day dark with night that calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out upon the face of the earth. Yahweh is his name. That strengtheneth the spoil against the strong so that the spoil shall come against the fortress. They hate him that rebuke in the gate and they abhor him that speak uprightly. For as much, therefore, as you treading is upon the poor, and you take from the burdens, take from him burdens of wheat, you have built houses of hewn stone, but you shall not dwell in them. You've planted pleasant vineyards, but you will not drink wine of them. I know your manifold transgressions and your mighty sins. They afflict the just, they take a bribe and they turn aside the poor in the gate from their right. 
Therefore, the prudent shall keep silence in that time, for it is an evil time. Seek good and not evil that you may live. And so the Yahweh, the God of hosts, shall be with you as you have spoken. Hate evil and love the good. Establish judgment in the gate. It may be that Yahweh, the God of hosts, will be gracious unto the remnant of Joseph. Therefore, Yahweh, the God of hosts, says thus, wailing shall be in all the streets, and they shall say in all the highways, alas, alas, and they shall call the husbandman to mourning, and such as the skillful of lamentation to wailing. And in all vineyards shall be wailing, for I'll pass through thee, says Yahweh. Woe unto you that desire the day of Yahweh. To what end is it for you? The day of Yahweh is darkness and not light. As if a man did flee from a lion and a bear met him or went into the house and leaned his hand on the wall and a serpent bit him. Shall not the day of Yahweh be darkness and not light? Even very dark, no brightness in it. I hate, I despise your feast days and I will not smell in your solemn assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and meat offerings, I will not accept them, neither will I regard the peace offerings of your fat beasts. Take thou away from me the noise of thy songs, for I will not hear the melody of thy vials. But let judgment run down as waters, and righteousness as a mighty stream. Have you offered unto me sacrifices and offerings in the wilderness for years, O house of Israel? Forty years, O house of Israel? But you have borne the tabernacle of your Moloch and Kaun, your images, the star of your God, which you made to yourselves. Therefore, will I cause you to go into captivity beyond Damascus, says Yahweh, whose name is the God of hosts. Hmm. This, as I say, is what I'm hoping to get people to see. And I've covered this thing on usury so many times. If you think that your investments in your 501k, 401ks, and 503bs, and all this stuff that you have rested your hopes on, And that you think that you are good and in God's good graces and all these other things. All I'm trying to say is, man, that is not what I'm reading here. What I'm reading here is that be forewarned. Be forewarned. That you may not be in as great of graces as you think you are. And modern Christianity has done a lot to give you those false illusions. And it is my prayer that by <clears throat> these fellowships in Isaiah, and perhaps specifically this fellowship in part 15, 
It may bring about an awareness in you that you did not have before. And for that, I give all glory to the King of Kings, God of gods, God of Jacob Israel. May you find edification and blessing in this fellowship message this evening. May it find fertile ground wherever it may go for those of you that send it on, for those that come to the archives and have a chance to listen to it there. May Yahweh be the glory. Amen. 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 Anything else you'd like to add or prayer or anything? Amen to you too, Melissa. Thank you. Uh, we are keeping everybody in prayer and we're thankful every day for all the things that he does for us in our household, and we know you are too. Amen. And so for that, we give praise, glory, and honor, and we lift him up daily and know that it is because of him that these things have been made possible for us in our lives and our families. And we just continue to ask that he work them for his glory. Amen. So with that, we will sign off again for tonight. And thank you all for joining. Good night. Good night, all.